Hello, this is Zach Cherian. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast today. We are really excited to bring you this teaching. Please open your heart, and if you can, your Bibles, and receive this word from the Lord, recorded live at Brazen Grace Fellowship. Number three. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Somebody say fundamentals. fundamentals. Any Spurs fans in the house? <laughs> Hebrews chapter 2, please. Oh, this is good. Verse 14 and 15. Are you with me? Say yes, sir. Yes, sir. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death... He may destroy him. That through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. I wish I had time to go into this deeper. Stay right there in Hebrews 2. Go to 1 John chapter 3 verse 8 quickly. 1 John chapter 3 verse 8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. The Son of God was manifested for this purpose that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now go back, go back to Hebrews chapter 2. That through death he may destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. Verse 15. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. Can I read that in the Amplified? This is going to be really good. You're going to, you're going to love this one. Since therefore these his children share in flesh and blood and in physical nature, speaking of Jesus becoming man, physical nature of human beings, he himself in a similar, similar manner partook of the same nature. What nature? Of being human. That by going through death he might bring to naught and make of no effect who had the power of death. That is the devil. Jesus came not only to reveal God, not only to fulfill the law, but he also came to destroy the works of the devil. Let me read that one more time in the Amplified. You've got to get this, man. You've got to get this. 14. In similar part of nature, that by going through death, he might bring to naught or bring to nothing and make of no effect him who has had the power of death, that is the devil. Jesus brought to naught, made the, made the devil to no effect. Are you reading this in your Bible? Amen. Also that he might deliver and completely set free all those who through the haunting fear of death were held bondage through bondage throughout the course of their lives. Jesus came to destroy the devil. Now you're going to shout and go, Whoa! yeah, 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 yeah. He destroyed the devil. Meaning the devil's got nothing on you. The devil's got nothing on you. He destroyed the power of the devil. The only thing the devil has on you now is your ignorance. He destroyed the power and the works of the devil. 
Somebody give me a few things that the devil does. Sickness. Fear. Deception. Somebody might say, well, John 10.10. Right? John 10.10. The works of the devil is what? A thief cometh for nothing except to kill and Jesus said, but I am come that they may have and have it more abundantly. Now you go, well, yeah, that's the works of the devil. Steal, kill, and destroy. It's the work of the devil. But let me ask you this. What was it the devil used to make it legal to put sickness on your body? Oh. <laughs> what was it that made it legal for the devil to put that fear in you? What was it that made it legal for the devil to put that sickness on your body? You look at me like, whoa. I heard a few people say, law, really? Really? Yeah. Because in Colossians chapter 2, it very clearly tells me that the weapon that Satan uses against the believer is the law. In fact, when you read John chapter 10, turn there. Some of y'all got to just see this with your own eyes. John chapter 10, verse 10. John 10, 10. You there? The thief comes, does not come except to steal and kill and destroy. I am come that they may have and have it more. All my life I taught the thief as being the devil. Now, yeah, technically that's true. It was the devil. But let me break it down who this thief is. Can we break it down? <laughs> Verse 7, Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me uh -oh, are thieves and robbers. Who is Jesus speaking to? Hindus? Huh? Who is Jesus speaking to? Context church, come on. He's speaking to Jews. Is he talking to the great Greek philosophers of that time? All who have come before me, like the great Greek ones, are liars and thieves. No, 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 no. He's talking to Jews here. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying exactly what that Bible is saying. Some of us don't want to believe what it says. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. Now read verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Huh? Go up to verse 1. Most surely I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold by the door, what's the next word? But climbs. Climbs is a picture of striving. It's my abilities to do it. I can do it. It's my effort. It's my labor. A literal definition of that is religion. He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs another way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hears his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he leads out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but flee from him for they do not know the voice of their stranger. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke of them. To this day, 
We seem to not understand that. Church, I've been in grace for five years, I think. 2007 to 2004. How long is that? Seven years. I've been in grace seven years and I only got this one this year. Jesus said to them, most surely I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. Is God saying that the law and the prophets are thieves and robbers? Is he saying they are bad people? They are terrible thieves and robbers? No, he's saying, but if you live by them, your picture, your life will look like a picture of being stolen, right? Steal, kill, and destroyed. You don't believe me? The Bible says it very clearly. For the law... But the Spirit gives... Put that verse in its right context. The law kills. You live by the law, you die by the law. But the Spirit gives life. Jesus took the weapon that the devil was using against us, which was the law. Turn to Colossians chapter 2. One more verse and then I'll, I'll move to the next point. Colossians chapter 2. For those of you who are looking at me like I'm making this stuff up. Colossians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, go eat popcorn. (laughs) Colossians chapter 2. Verse number 13. If you're there, say yes, sir. sir. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all trespasses. How many? Verse 14. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, You notice that the law of requirements was not for us. It was against us, which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way. Amen. He has taken it out of the way. What did he do with the requirements that were against us? He nailed it to the cross. Next verse. Having disarmed principalities. My God. You see, there was no verse number when Paul wrote this. There was no. What's next? The line before that says he took the law and nailed it to the cross having meaning therefore having disarmed principalities. He stripped Satan of his weapons by doing what? By nailing the law to the cross. Somebody say fundamentals. fundamentals. Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come to the earth? To destroy the works of the devil. When I said the works of the devil, all of you went, well, that's sickness, that's disease, that's sin, and, and that every one of that is true. That's all true. But what was it that the what was it that made it legal for the devil to put that on you? When you would say, I can keep the law, I can keep the law. Okay, keep it. Well, uh, not today. Let me let me try tomorrow. Guess what? It already made it legal for the devil to put that on you. Because if you're gonna live by the law, you're gonna have to live by all of it. It's as simple as that. It doesn't, it's not any that deep than that, is it? You live it, you either keep it, you keep all of it. That's the whole essence of the law. If you break one, you've broken all of them. Amen. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle over them, triumphing over them. That's verse 15. Number one, Jesus came to reveal God. Number two, he came to fulfill the law. Number three, he came to destroy the works of the devil. Number four, he came to show us who we are. He came to show man who we are. Turn to Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. Galatians chapter 4. Are you learning something today? Yes. Galatians chapter 4, 4 through 7. What's my time look like? Okay, my time's running up, so stay with me. Galatians chapter 4, 
verse 4 to 7. I mentioned this verse already. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his, his son, born of a woman, born under the law. To do what? To redeem those who were under the law. Now put this in the context of God having to legally come as a man. Does this make sense now? Amen. Born of a woman, born under the law. To do what? To redeem those who were under the law. That we might receive what? The adoption as sons. The adoption as sons. Verse 6. Because you are sons, God has sent forth his spirit, his, the, the, sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out what? Cry it. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. While you are shouting, go to Romans 8. It, it explains it a little bit more beautifully. Romans chapter 8 verse 16. Oh, Jesus. Romans chapter 8 verse 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with, with our spirit that we are children of God. Now read this. If children, then heirs. I, I like Galatians 4, but it stopped at saying heirs with God. Amen. No, let me explain what kind of an heir you are. Amen. If children, then heirs. Heirs of God. Now you go, well, heirs of God. That's not, a, that's not much of a great deal. Because to get the benefits of being an heir, the father needs to die. And this dude ain't never going to die. So that means we ain't going to get nothing. Well, he didn't leave you. He didn't leave you like that, did he? He didn't just say you're an heir going to wait one day for the father to die, which is never going to happen. No, 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 no. He didn't just make you an heir. He made you a joint heir with Christ. Which basically means everything that belongs to Jesus is yours. Come on now. Say it. I'm not a slave. I'm a son. You've got to believe that. Jesus came not only to reveal who God is, but who you are. Jesus stretches that sonship to explain what kind of role we have on the earth. If you don't like it, if you don't believe me, go read the rest of John chapter 10 when he's talking to the Pharisees. No, no, stop it. <laughs> okay, go to John 10. <laughs> Jesus, please let them love me. Don't let them be mad at me. I promise I wasn't saying that to make y'all ask. I, I was just really trying to avoid it today. But okay, I'll, this is Jesus still talking in the context of the law and grace. Amen. Those that are his sheep and those that are not. Now to those that are his sheep, that are his sheep. Verse 31. <laughs> the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Huh? They didn't like Jesus very much, did they? You want to know why they got mad at Jesus? Read the verse before that. I and my father are one. Why did they pick up stones? Because he was claiming to be his father. Pick up that stone. Jesus is the revelation of God. What? Pick up that stone. They're still throwing stones. Church people are still throwing stones when you tell them Jesus does not do that stuff. You know why? Because I said one line. Your sins and your lawless deeds, he will remember no more. He's a heretic. Throw stones at him. They, 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 everyone's attacking me because I'm telling people Jesus is good. Hyper grace. 
Well, if grace ain't hyper, it's not grace. If you can comprehend grace, it's not amazing, is it? For it to be... It's amazing because people are picking up stones because we are telling the people Jesus and the Father are one. It's the same spirit coming against us. They picked up stones, huh? Okay. Now, we have, you, you think it was bad that they said Jesus and the Father are one, right? <laughs> then the Jews took up stones against him to stone him. And Jesus answered, many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which, for which of these works do you stone me? Which part of the Father that I have revealed are you stoning me for? The Jews answered and said to him, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself God. Right? But Jesus knows how to mess up people's theology, doesn't it? Because in the next line, he says, Boy, you, th- you, think, you think you're deep. Jesus answered and said to them, Is it not written in your law? I said, You are God's. Now, before you flip out and go, did Zach Cherry just say you're God? No, no, small letter G. To understand its context, you have to understand in the Garden of Eden, when man made, when God made man on the earth, he made him the God of the land, or the land of the Lord, landlord. That means he's God that he's supposed to be worshipped. That's not what it means. Now, you're going to flip out about that. But here, Jesus is giving us an idea of who man is. He, if he called them gods, to him the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken. Do you say of him whom the father sanctified and sent into the world. You are blaspheming because I am the son of God. I mean if you all are not even going to believe that I am the son of God. How are you going to believe when I fi- finish the work and say now you are sons of God. Come on. Say it I'm not a slave. I'm not a slave. It's the law that makes us slaves. The law is a master. We are slaves. God is a father. We are sons. Jesus came to reveal who we are. He didn't just come to reveal who the father is. He came to reveal who we are. So don't let somebody look at you and go, you've just been saved a couple of months. I've been in this a long time. Let me teach you a few things. You know what? The, the word sons there, the Bible says to whoever has received it, and them gave you the power to be sons of God is the word huios. Huios doesn't mean baby Christian. It means full grown child. Full grown child. When you come into Jesus, God looks at you as a full grown child. Now you may not have the theology all together. You may not have all the scriptures together. But God says you're a full grown son. Full grown son. Start acting like it. Hallelujah. Lastly, Jesus came to intercede as high priest. Romans chapter 8 verse 34. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? People say there is nothing Jesus is doing right now. Because after he finished, he sat down. Well, this verse tells us sitting down means doesn't mean doing nothing. There is a role he is doing even though he is seated. And what he's doing right now is interceding for us. Now, as soon as I said the word intercede, every one of you who've been Christian for longer than five years saw Jesus on his face bowing down and praying. Because our idea of intercession was, let's intercede. Oh, oh my God. This means this is a deep prayer. See, there's prayer 
and then there's intercession. Prayer is like, oh, Jesus, that's his food. But intercession is like, right? Intercession is a lot deeper. Intercession is a lot. Please, the word intercede simply means stand in the behalf of. (laughs) It simply means the one who stands in your behalf. The one who represents you. The one who is your mediator. (laughs) Renewal of the mind. Renewal of the mind. (laughs) This is tough. Why does God have to be a mediator for anybody? Because you are imperfect. And when God has to look at you in his justice. And by law have to judge you for it. The son steps and says, excuse me. Can I stand on their behalf? I stand on their stead. Instead of Zach. It's me. He is constantly... (laughs) he's constantly making intercession. Why does he have to make intercession? If we'd stop, he'd stop. (laughs) Huh? He has to. When the devil says, did you see what Zach did? Father, did you see what Zach did? (laughs) Jesus steps in and says, did what? Did what? And the father looks down at us. He sees that we are washed with this blood of his son. And the father says I find no fault in him. When I see Zach. I see my son. When I see Zach. I see Jesus. Because Jesus is standing in the way. He is interceding. On my behalf. He's mediating. He's the one that stands in the gap for me. He is the gap. What is that thing that is laying across the bridge between me and God? It's the body of Jesus. Stretched out like a cross. So I can have access into everything that belongs to God. Everything that God has, I have access to today because I have a mediator who is not keeping me far away or is judging me. He's a mediator who says everything Zach did and will ever do, I already paid for. You can't judge Zach for it because you already judged me for it. You can't punish Zach for it because you already punished me for it. Church, listen to me. God is not looking for an excuse to judge America. God is not looking for America to mess up so he can send a plague and destroy it. If God, in the words of the great Andrew Womack, if God judges America for its sins, he's going to have to apologize to Jesus. Because he already put Ebola on the body of Jesus. God wasn't up there in heaven going, Ebola, dude, we missed that one. (laughs) Where'd that come from? AIDS. Woo! These humans come up with a new one every year. (laughs) Every sickness known and unknown to man was put in the body of Jesus. Every sin you've done and you will ever commit was put in the body of Jesus. He has forgiven you forever. Forever. Boy, if they attack me for this, this is a good reason to attack me. I will never be ashamed of this gospel of Jesus Christ. For this is the power of God. We've tried that other stuff, man. People are still sick. We've tried that other stuff. People are still broke. People are still living in sin. But I'll tell you, when you tell a a sinner, your sins have been forgiven you. God does not hold your sins against you. God sees you as righteous. God sees you holy as a chosen generation, as a royal priesthood. All of a sudden, a believer goes, if that's what God says I am, then that's who I am. I don't have to try to become holy. I am holy. 
I don't have to try to become righteous. I am righteous. I don't have to try to get healed. I am. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why? Because there's a mediator. And everything that I have to be judged for, he needs to be judged for. Guess what he already was. And because of the law of double jeopardy, God cannot judge you for something that his son was already judged for. You missed that one, but that's good. He cannot judge you for something he already judged his son for. Who is Jesus to you today? The word theology, theo, logos, theo, God, logos, study of, or interpretation or revelation of. My question is, what is your theology today? What is your revelation of God today? Huh? Is it this deep mystery? Oh, he's so sovereign. He's so sovereign. You know, that word is only used even one time in the Bible, and yet it's quoted by church people many times. I've said this many times, and I'll say it again. The sovereignty of God is not his excuse to be bad. The sovereignty of God is not his excuse to put a disease on you. Well, we don't understand his ways. His ways are higher. His ways are not any higher than the person of Jesus Christ. Oof. His ways are not any higher than the person of Jesus Christ. That's as high as God gets. And I like it. That's as deep as God goes. And I love it. Listen to me. Nothing can separate you, beloved. Nothing, nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is found in Christ Jesus. No demon of hell. No demon. No principality. Nothing. Would you believe this? Nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. No height. No depth. Nor at any created thing. Not things past. Not things present. Nor things to come. Nothing. Nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. If you can believe that, if you can believe that, sin, sickness, and Satan will have absolutely no power over you. Who is Jesus today? He is God. He is the revelation of God to me. Jesus and nothing. Jesus and nothing. I don't want to hear another story. My goodness, I saw this movie Noah. (laughs) Oh, Lord. I saw a dumb movie on the way to India on the plane. Oh, Jesus. And all the Christians were rising up in rage against that horrible. How can they do that about? How can they represent God like that? Well, because you do in your pulpits. It's time we repent. We repent. We repent. I ain't talking about you falling on your knees and saying sorry for your sins. I'm talking about returning and changing the way we think about who Jesus is. I've made it my, my life's plan. Boy, when I used to preach that other stuff back in the day, and there are many of you who've heard me preach back in the day, they loved the message because it was mixed with law and grace. And I decided I'm going to mix nothing. I'm not going to mix nothing anymore. I'm going to pe- preach the pure, unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ. It's grace and grace only. It's all Jesus and Jesus is grace. For the law came through Moses, but, shout but, Grace and truth came through Jesus. You know what the word but means in English? Whatever was said before that. I love you but. It don't mean a thing. 
I love you, I'll marry you, but you gotta, hey, hey, ain't no but, get your butt out of the way. Grace and truth, my God. Grace and truth came through Jesus. There was a cross that happened 2,000 years ago and was the beginning of the last and the greatest kingdom. And the Bible said it of Jesus this way, and of his kingdom. And of his kingdom. Daniel said it this way, there will be a kingdom that will be established after the Roman Empire. After Rome, the last of the fifth kings, there will be a kingdom that will be established and of that kingdom there shall be no end. That king was Jesus, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Listen to me all, listen to me. There's nothing else waiting to happen. It already happened. Now he's waiting on us. If you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can repeat this simple prayer with me right now, wherever you are. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you as I am and receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying for me. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is my Lord. I am yours forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today for this teaching. We would love to hear from you. You can write us at ZCIM PO Box 592675, San Antonio, Texas 78259. For more information on ZCIM, please visit us at zcim.org or on Facebook and Twitter at ZCIM Official. God bless you.